You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Album Tunes, Here Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about boston boston on the line i have rob hi 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 ben oh yes son uh and john indeed boston is the debut studio album by american rock band boston the album was released on august 25th 1976 in the united states by epic records the producer was todd schultz and John Bullen, and the genre is hard rock. I'm going to read from All Music Review, Vic Lanegar. Boston is one of the best-selling albums of all time, and deservingly so, because of the rise of disco and punk, FM rock radio seemed all but dead until the rise of acts like Boston, Tom Petty, and Bruce Springsteen. Nearly every song on Boston's debut album could still be heard on classic rock radio decades later due to the strong vocals of brad delp and unique guitar sound of todd schultz todd schultz who wrote moats most of the songs was a studio wizard and used self-designed equipment such as the 12 track recording devices to come up with the arrhythmic arena rock sound before the term was even coined the sound was hard rock but the layered melodies and harmonies revealed the work of a master craftsman while much has been written about the sound of the album the lyrics are often overlooked there are songs about their rise from a bar band in rock and roll band as well as the fond remembrances of summers gone by in more than a feeling wait boston is essential for any fan of classic rock and the album marks the re-emergence of the genre in the 1970s all right how do we feel about boston boston this is fucking essential man yeah, this amazing is, this is pop rock. Central so rock good. <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. I, I it, blown away. If, if you if you sit and listen to this album and then you're like, oh no, I don't like it. it you're a fucking contrarian, <laughs> man. <laughs> and if you sit and listen to this record and don't know that you're listening to a basement recording, it blows your fucking mind to pieces. Dude, like, seriously, th- this is this is fucking insanity. Like yeah, Tom Schultz th- crushed this. <laughs> that they got this sound out of it, and and we can get into the entire like how how it got to like people's ears like in a minute, but like just appreciate for a fact that like this was what a dude made in his basement over the course of about four years. He also um, played most of the instruments on it. Yeah. Yeah, except for yeah, drums and yeah. vocals, everything you're hearing is Tom Schultz. Yep. There are eight tracks, and every single one of them is on classic rock radio. Every <laughs> single one. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's insanity. Number one best-selling 
a debut album of all time. Ah, nope. Still Still second best. Second so best. Who beat it? Who beat it? So Appetite for Destruction, about, buddy. That is correct. So we're talking about the best-selling debut album. This is the second best to Appetite for Destruction. This album still sold 17 platinum. 17 times platinum, this album. And it went gold within two months of first coming out. Basically, an unknown band out of out of Boston area. Yeah, yeah. Seven, <laughs> 17 times platinum for yeah for a basement recording debut of an unknown band. Yeah, platinum mother's by November milk. of the year it was released. Mama's milk. Ma- ma- yeah. ma- mother's milk was the original name. They they luckily changed it to Boston because I, I don't think Mother's Milk would have sold 17 million copies. That was John Boylan, uh, the guy that he's credited on the album as a producer, even though it's it's Tom Scholes. Uh, John Boylan uh, suggested the name change to him. That's one of two big contributions that credited producer John Boylan made. Uh, was name change. And then he was a co-conspirator with Tom Scholes. He ran interference with the label, letting them to <laughs> believe that it was being professionally recorded in L.A. while Tom was just working in his basement. John was was his was his insider guy running interference. That's so god. That's fu- so fucking awesome. Yeah. God, all the songs on here are great. They have really interesting sonic choices. Like I- I've read the write-ups and I don't understand what they mean, but the choice of using mordants and inverted mordants, which are t- typical in Baroque music, I guess. Like there's a definite classical music influence in this. Like the same way you'd hear classical music in like Metallica, you've got that heavy, heavy rock, but with like interesting chord progressions and interesting uh, note changes. Like it's just so fucking good. Yeah. Clear vocals, crushing guitars. Tom Scholes was a classically trained pianist before he even started playing guitar. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. He was very in- interested in, uh, in classical music and studying classical music and what ma- what made a pleasant song? What made up uh, sort of the quintessential chord changes? And I, I did he I crack the code, man? Yeah, it, I, I have so much admiration for him because what he was trying to do and what he had ha, was striving for is that perfect, what he would call a perfect song, the perfect rock song, the perfect radio song or whatever you want to say it it goes back to the sort of pet sounds attitude of saying i want to create something like i i'm a perfectionist and i will not stop until all the elements come together in this one one song and and produce perfection and it's absolutely true it's off the charts in terms of making making you happy like it has all the elements. It's instinctual. Huge hooks. Yeah. Gigantic hooks. Just big old meat hooks. Just to <laughs> grab your ears. <laughs> and and the sort of singing, the sort of operatic singing that gets you excited to sing along or try and hit those notes, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, try. It's try, just, try. <laughs> we can all try. Yeah, we can all try. But it's yeah, Brad ever, Delt, man. He's, he's killer. Yeah. They had gone through Tom. Tom had gone through dozens of singers singing the work he was working on before he settled on uh, Brad Delp. And Delp was just a dude who was doing cover bands at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. Like 
God damn, this fucking record's so good. But they're not they're not afraid to like hit that hard prog solo on foreplay. Like they'll go they'll go into all sorts of sick shit and then just build on it. Oh. You keep like, on saying they. Well, it's really, I guess, Tom <laughs> Schultz. Yeah. yeah. It's basically Tom Schultz with a little bit of Brad Dope. <laughs> it's like like, <laughs> like foreplay, though, it's instrumentals, so That's it's all just Tom, Tom Schultz Tom Schultz and drums. Yeah. I mean, hold hold this up. Hold this next to that fucking uh, Aerosmith record that we just had to do not too long ago. Like, and like they're, they're both Boston bands. And then I I don't know, man. Fuck, fuck fucking this Boston is, just. I will say this is an anomaly of a band, though. I mean, he is a mad scientist in a basement. Is it because it's an MIT dude who just happened to be a classically trained pianist? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's kind of like kinda, yeah, he's kind of like yeah. a U.S. based Brian May, right? Like, yeah, yeah, maybe. You know, like he's twerking all the the sonic elements. You know, yeah he he has a theory, and the theory is this is what makes rock and roll or power pop, and he's right. His formula is correct, tested yes. and proven. The, yes. the, yeah. fucking, the, the labels pass this over and over and over and Tons over of again. Yeah, I, I wrote uh, how who they got sent to RCA, Capital Atlantic, uh, and Electra. Epic turned it down before they signed him. That's correct. Yeah, and with a very insulting letter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They like didn't see anything of substance or something like that. <laughs> didn't like that. Uh, do you want to kind of go over what happened through the recording process? You kind of laid it out already, though. I mean, he recorded he recorded this a demo over over five years, four years or whatever, a demo home recordings. He had assembled a, a bit of a, a band to hit the circuits with, uh, including Jim Medisa, uh, who was on drums, <clears throat> and then he recruited uh, Brad Delp. And they shopped around the demo. And then when the demo was finally, when the demo finally landed a record deal, uh, they were supposed, they're supposed to go to, to LA to, to professionally record the album. But instead, uh, John Boylan, the credited producer ran interference while, uh, Tom, uh, basically just exactly recreated the, the demo, uh, in his basement, maybe with a little bit more of a budget, but, uh, but it it was the the same thing. It's just him it, him with all of his gear in the basement playing around. He's still working for Polaroid at the time. He was still working for Polaroid when this album came out. He didn't put in his two weeks notice until it was, had sold like twenty thousand copies. <laughs> yeah, he said he said that the last two weeks it was pretty pretty t- tough to stay focused. Yeah, and he <laughs> he, he kind of knew it was it was going to blow up when he heard it on on the radio, I think it was at work or, or yep. somewhere else. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, actually, you know, this, this could work. This could happen. I thought it was, there were some, uh, stories I thought were really cool, including, uh, one of the ways, that uh, Boylan, uh, ran interference is he arranged for Delph to have a custom made Taylor acoustic guitar. Taylor's like the, if you don't know, it's like the, you know, acoustic guitar. It's like one of the best, or Martin, I guess. But he wanted the guitar for thousands of dollars charged to the album budget. But Schultz recorded uh, such tracks as More Than a Feeling in his basement on a $100 Yamaha acoustic guitar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was that yeah, while it was being made. 
kind of kind of like money laundering, just like to show to show money spent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, to, and to buy time because the guitar wouldn't be done for another, you know, like couple weeks. So you could say, oh, yeah, we just actually we need this guitar made. So I mean, <laughs> it's, it's been called the greatest rock and roll swindle like of all time. But I don't know how him only like putting in maybe a couple of grand into recording this over the course of four or five years equals a swindle. Yeah, to, like, to come in tens of thousands of dollars under budget. Yeah, is that yeah a, that hundreds, that hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> under budget. They, they, they wanted them to fucking spend Eagles money on this fucking record. Like they save they, they end up saving the record company hundreds of thousands of dollars by by doing it this way. But I guess just having like be, being able to be in the fucking like driver's seat of like the sound was. I don't know a thing that hadn't been done. Like I, I fucking I love that that DIY spirit that like comes through in this. And honestly, it I can't believe this is a basement recording. Still, still, like this is fucking insanity that this is like a a demo. In between yeah. the demo and the uh, the final recording, <clears throat> apparently Tom his guitar tones he was able to achieve in his basement were were unparalleled. But he was inexperienced at recording them. So one of the things he did do was he flew in an, an engineer to to just help him like mic placement and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he could he could get the sounds. He would he, he just need a little bit of help getting them to tape. And this album just sounds phenomenal. <laughs> and the fucking guitar tone on this. Holy shit, man. Yeah. Like, and each song's different, different tones. No, and we, we absolutely need to bring it up. Like the whole, like that, that uh, early two thousands, like micro amp, which is still a thing that, that is going on. Like, but that, that is all this dude's like MIT shit. Like he's the one that designed those amps. Like you can get the Boston sound out of a fucking tiny amplifier <laughs> with a, uh, a nine volt battery in it at this point. Like it's, it's been guys that got drunk really quick. And now <laughs> it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but part of that, like the Boston guitar tone that you recognize is that compression, right? It's the compression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the distortion, not the overdrive. It's that high. It's the high singing guitar that sounds like a operatic uh, solo mm -hmm. it's not the and that's that's one of the things that that once we get more into those uh 
once we get into Slayer, once we get into the metal bands, it's distortion. It's not the overdriven tubes. So it gets into that crunch. It's mm-hmm, crunchy. Yeah. Is, is how it is a lot crunch. of people... This crunchy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these songs have been covered by, like, Anthrax covered Smokin'. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's Smokin's a fucking boogie, man. <laughs> yeah. So once you hit the, eight, you know, late 70s, 80s, it's that, that tone is what, is what leads. And Boston, obviously, is the king. I mean, he sort of came up with it, or they figured out how to record it correctly so that matched the vocals, and here we are. We're we're in the sort of I mean, glam did it uh, to an extent for sure, uh, no denying that. But this, the production on this and how it's slick and how it production. fits with how it fits <laughs> with the the vocals and yeah, it's pr- amazing. Pr- pr- production means I need to move the drums out of the way so we can get the Leslie out of the corner so we can play this organ <laughs> solo. Literal, literal truth. <laughs> And to break down the drums, right? (laughs) Damn, man. (laughs) So this this album is eight tracks long. I have heard every song on this album on classic rock radio. Uh, This album, it it doesn't let go of your ear for the entire time. It's in and out in 37 minutes and 41 seconds. This is just, this is as airtight as you're going to find. Yeah. There's not a wasted second on this record. Uh, they were nominated for Best New Ar- uh, Artists at the Grammys, 1976. They lost to, does anybody know? Oh, oh. Is it I ABBA? Is it ABBA? No, is it ABBA? No, it is no. not. Shit. Is it, is it Fleetwood Mac? That was close. Uh, Starlight Vocal Band. What? <laughs> oh, Who that, had the uh, hit Afternoon Delight? Afternoon Delight. <laughs> <laughs> ben, did you just ask, ben did you just ask if it was fleetwood mac in 76 <laughs> well best for best band? album yeah best new artist new artist no. oh new yeah. artist i i thought yeah. it was for best album rumors best new artist get out of no, here no that's their 12th that's their like 12th or 13th album yeah. i think fleetwood mac did win best new album or best album this year i thought it was i thought yeah. it was uh eagles Eagles no. got best record, which yeah. is a strange thing in the Grammys that Wait, I didn't is that understand. Different from best album, yes, yes. Best okay. record, Wait, does from best best record album. mean like a specific single record? Birch, like this one. Explain it. This one's the best one. Let Birch explain it. So when you have a record, a record means physical record, meaning like a single with two sides. Meaning they had one with Hotel California on one side and a New Kid in Town on the opposite side. So that's the record. The album being the long playing 12 inch vinyl record, which went to. Is not an album Rimmers. also a record? Kind of like how no. a square is also a rectangle? We're using different terminology. I mean, we we use them interchangeably now, but back then they would call things like 45s, 33, or 7 inches. You would say those are records, and an album is the entire thing. Like we say singles so, now, we just interjected singles instead of saying records. The so best record is just best single, yeah, uh, including I, both sides. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Man, I read something interesting today, uh, and I thought it was cool. Uh Talk, it talked about how uh, this self-titled album by Boston was kind of a a pivot point in mainstream rock, uh, away from like blues-based rock and roll, more towards power pop. And I hear it. 
Yeah, the only one that seems to relate is the one we're listening to right now, Smoking. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is kind of kind of it's bluesy. It's a boogie. Yeah, yeah. Still but rocks, this album, it, 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 this is absolutely this is you know this is this is rock and roll. This is classic rock and roll. But I do hear I do hear the power pop. You know, it, 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 this is it's like popcorn. This this record, the melodies and the hooks and the harmonies, but it's still got those crunchy, crunchy guitars, and it's every song's very riff heavy. That's what that's what I like. It's yeah. strange too because <laughs> when I originally came across Boston, it's it always seemed like one of those bands, Foreigner or Foghat. Yeah, Foghat, <laughs> and it's kind of like, eh, do I really like this music? This is like classic rock. It's kind of like. Uh, you know, we're from a, a bit of a different generation. It's kind of like, uh, is that, you know, is it kind of dad rock? Is it bad company? You, you know, you don't know I mean, exactly. It kind of is. Yeah, it, it's true, but. But it's the best of it. It is it's got the, enough of that, like, it's one of the best of, yeah. edge. You know, like, there's some yeah. processing in there. Like, they're making some weird spacey noises off the guitars. Like, there's some shit going on. I think. And I think this week uh, doing uh, the research of having the background to really open my eyes to say, oh, he's not he was not a rock star. He you know, Boston is just a weird engineer. It's like Brian May. It's like he's just a guy who really, really loves to make amazing music. And he mm-hmm. he, I guess, has always uh, sort of shunned the, the spotlight. He doesn't really like being the rock star. You love to this. see it. Yeah. I love to, I love to see it. Uh you mentioned uh in, in bands that you, you that we used to we we would lump in with Boston. You mentioned Foghat. So uh when this album was rocketing up the charts, you know, in Boston they're still a brand new band. This is their debut album. They're not headlining shows. They're opening for bands. And they got kicked off some shows for out outshining uh, headliners, in- including uh, a fog hat show. They were supposed to open a fog hat show, I believe, in Chicago. And the re- radio DJ, while promoting the show, without mentioning Foghat, described Boston as like the best rock and roll band in the world. <laughs> and Foghat <laughs> kicked them off the show. <laughs> That's some petty bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to follow Boston, right? Yeah, who's <laughs> laughing now? Fog hat, <laughs> like a really slow ride. Take it easy, dude. Have you heard this album? <laughs> <laughs> Boston is not gonna take it easy. This is not a slow ride. This is an express ticket to rock and roll, man. I'd follow Boston. That sounds fun. It does sound fun. <laughs> Just but you don't got that fog hat Boston. ego. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Let me take you home tonight. That's a, that's a Brad Delp OG. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, I nice, like it's a nice kind I like of slow his jam. Yeah. And also, it was the only song that was recorded actually in L.A. where they should have been doing the whole uh, album. It's like <laughs> they, they, they had to make an appearance, you know, to, for, for their alibi. <laughs> so it showed up to do a, a let me take you home tonight. And it's not a bad one. Like, I it's like not a bad song on this album. It's I don't know. It's been a long time since we've had an album that every single song could be called a banger. <laughs> station to station. Station to station. They're all good. Could you call them each a banger? I guess yes, you, you can. Get yeah, out you of can. Here. I just, Get I'm out just here. reviewing for the sake of review. Yeah. Get your weird non haircutted ass out of here. <laughs> did you, I'll did, cut my hair when it's safe. Did you shave <laughs> a goatee kind of? 
Nope. Yes. Just doing a little Scotty oh, and thing. Looks so good. It. It's very pointy. Looks yeah, so good. It's, I'm, I'm trying to Pharaoh the Anselmo, you know? You have to <laughs> <laughs> get I it in like there. That. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to cut everything else off. Yeah, man. I, yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't call every song on this record a banger. By any stretch of the imagination, they they did all end up on classic rock radio. I was gonna say for, they're all kind of classic though. But I mean, they're they they don't all hit as hard as you know. Oh, they don't. Which, they don't. Uh, which songs on this album are not bangers, according to you, Rob? Yeah, oh, shit, man. Uh, Rob's gone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. Um, no, nah, I, I mean, I, I would say that uh, smoking is just a. Uh, a version of peace of mind. Like they, 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 he, he's recycling material a little bit. Yeah. Um, there, there's one song that is very close to more than a feeling. Uh, is it, uh, something about, let me take you home tonight or something about you. I think something about you kind of sounds a lot like more than a feeling. Yeah. If I some, got right. Yeah. Yeah. That is the one week. That is like the only thing I can say yeah, that the, is, it, it, it Takes it down. Exactly. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something about you is is close enough to more than a feeling that you're kind of like. Which it's again uh, the hook's different, and the, the hook is what you remember. It is. It is. And and, and the, the this this hook difference again sounds exactly like what Phil and I Phil Annette would have done with Thin Lizzy. Like it's it, it's it's that inver, inversion of the uh, like melody. That with the, uh, th- with the guitar like, harmonies, yeah, which feels like Thin Lizzy to me. Yeah, and um, but the guitars are sick. Tom Schultz, man, like he can he can play. <laughs> he can play a lot of things. He's kind of Stevie Wondery, you know. Like he's he's laying down the the keyboards. He's laying down the guitars. I believe on the recording that we're hearing, he laid down the bass as well. was really interesting too because uh delp sings all the all the harmonies as well every voice you're hearing is brad delp yeah oh so I it's, <laughs> delp on delp <laughs> it's so just a it, bunch of delp man kid i mean i guess you can't say it but power trio where all of them are delp <laughs> no no there's three members yeah, in the band right. yeah, it's a power trio well, right there, there's more than three members of this band but there's three people on this on, record. On, on right, this right, record. right. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Is that like, uh, like lead, like credited lead guitarist for Boston, Barry uh, uh, Goodrow, had been a member of Boston since before they released this album. Uh, he, uh, I don't know what he contributed to recordings after this record, but he was already playing in the band before before they got signed because yeah. uh, Boston would play shows and you know, t- Tom Scholes can't just split into four people every time <laughs> they play a show. 
So he's in the band. He's just not heard on this record. I did find it really interesting that they were, he was such a perfectionist that their second album came out two years, but then the next album uh, took him eight years for third wow. stage. Yeah. And that when they originally signed the contract, it was for 10 albums, but he got tired and uh, he had to they had to do a little s- settlement because he got tired of making albums because he's such a perfectionist that he wouldn't just put out an album. Crank it out. To, yeah, the to have the it contract out. that he signed was 10 albums in six years. Yeah, it's it, insane. If you're it, it, it's insane for any band, but especially if you're Tom Scholes, who n- knows the the knows how long things take if you're going to do them the way he's doing them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Thought that was strange. Uh, we probably don't need to go around the room, right? Everyone's. I don't believe so. Yeah. I think that we can. No, all listen, listen to this record. This, is, yeah, get, this may be the get best. Get off your high horse and bump some Boston. Yeah, th- th- this, this is one of the great debut uh, records of all time. Yeah. yeah. Get the album. Look at the album cover. The UFO is a guitar. Like, get on board. <laughs> that took me a while. I remember realizing that, like, the tw- 10th or 20th time I I saw the cover, I was like, oh, wait, it's a guitar. I, I didn't realize <laughs> it until this listen. And I, like, looked hard at the cover. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Those are guitars. <laughs> Can we draw any parallels between Boston and electric light orchestra with their sonic lushness and album art of ufos doing things i'm sure we could um, i mean you could say it between yes as well right Mm -hmm. the sort of yeah that's true sonic even to like the darkness yeah like spacey man spacey pop rock had had it not been for boston self-titled album we would never have the darkness no and i'm (laughs) so glad that we have both boston and the darkness (laughs) made my life so much better (laughs) No, like Birch, you touched on it earlier. Boston gets lumped in with with, with a lot of these dad rock groups. Uh, Bad Company, Thirty Eight Special. You know, uh, uh, oh, uh, so much better than that, though. It, seriously, they, they 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 don't deserve that. And not that there's not that those other bands don't have their merits as well. Boston deserves at least their own sentence. If you're talking about like that type of rock and roll, put a comma in there, take a deep breath, and then address Boston and this album. I think you're right too, because. This album represents a a sort of like mass masterful like a creation of a completely classic song to song album, which a lot of the, you know those bands don't get. They don't create an album that is just hit after hit after hit after you know. In every sure single don't. song, you could hit it random and be like, "This song's awesome." So. Yeah, something different about uh, true craftsmanship here. Listen to more Boston ingrates. <laughs> Take us home, Boston. Twenty-five million copies worldwide, seventeen million d- domestic. I can't argue. Nope. It's such a good fucking record, man. All right, next time we'll be talking about the Eagles Hotel California. All right, maybe thanks, that's y'all. a good record too. Who knows? <laughs> 